it's you, my pretty. And your little dog, too. <laughs> no suspects are in custody as the investigation at the scene continues. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. She isn't qu quite herself today. We all go a little mad sometimes. Whatever you do. Before dawn. Don't. Make your choice. Halloween edition of Film Underdogs. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween, everybody. The best time of the year. <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, I think everyone here um, at Film Underdogs headquarters absolutely loves Halloween. This is our favorite time of year. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. <laughs> uh... We're all very much into the dress-up, the um, spooky, get-everything-out, do-it. We're all very excited about this. For today's episode, we'll be finishing the interview with Brian Wells. He's the local Portland cosplayer who has done some absolutely incredible costumes and... Uh, design work. We were lucky enough to sit down with him for a while and find out a lot more about him and his process and everything. So with that, let's get into the interview. So how do you get your inspiration for a given costume? It's more about the inspiration and the emotional attachment to the character for most parts. I have had characters that I've done just because of an opportunity. For instance, I just recently did a costume from the new Mad Max Fury Road. I did a Morton Joe. I hadn't seen the movie. The movie hadn't even come out yet before I made that decision. So it was an emotional attachment. I was fortunate enough to work with one of the distributors of a thermoplastic that I use quite often. And they had just come out with this new product, which was a transparent version of this. They contacted me and said they wanted to give me a roll of this stuff to see what I can do with it. And so I had this roll of transparent armor, pretty much. And it was right at that very moment that the trailers for the movie started coming out. And I didn't know if Immortan Joe was going to be deadened for the first five minutes of the film. I didn't know anything about his character or anything. All I knew is that he wore clear armor. And he seemed cool in those two and a half minutes, enough for me to say, I'm going to invest my time in this. And I had a lot of scrap materials that I've been 
I save, I pack rat a lot of my stuff. So he was a pretty cheap costume, and it was fun enough to all the hype for the movie. The trailer looked great. The movie turned out amazing, but I built it purely blindly. Like, I built this character. I had him ready a week before the film came out for the premiere party. I had a friend that had saw it the week prior to that, and I messaged her. I was like, hey, uh, you don't have to ruin the movie for me. Just promise me he doesn't die in the first five minutes because I've wasted the costume. And she's like, no, he's in the movie, so you're good. Um, so I lucked out on that. But for the most part, inspiration comes from characters that I grew up with. Hoggle from The Labyrinth. I, it was one of the movies I've watched a thousand times. Jim Henson is a big influence on me on my life. Um, Tim Burton uh, is another one. Uh, but these movies that I grew up with and I have that I watch over and over, and every time I watch them, I'm just as excited as the first time for me to be able to pull those characters off the screen and mimic them and become them in a sense is a lot of inspiration to show somebody else that had those same feelings for those characters and, and show up in front of them as that character and then for that moment they're just like this is my childhood in front of me that's also a big motivator for me too when i pick costumes that i want to do my first thing that I do is I'll Google that image that and I'll type in such and such cosplay or such and such costume. And if I can find five or eight images of that being done by five or eight different people, um, any more than that, I'll scrap the idea. I don't care how much I want to do the character because I don't want to build another Iron Man costume. They're great and I'm sure I can do it just as well, but it's been done so many times before. I want to pick the ones that don't get enough love, that meant a lot to me. Um, so when people see them, they're just like, oh, I love that character. Or, even better, I don't know who this character is. What is this from? And then they get to go home and experience this where they might have missed out on it if they hadn't seen this costume that they felt so attached to and said, this costume is great, it's so incredible, I want to know more about it. And then they go home and do their homework, and the next thing you know, they they have that movie under their belt, too to help their imagination in growing up and stuff like that, even though they might not have done it in the years that I did it. They still get that opportunity. So what's your uh, favorite genre? Imagination, yeah. Like I said, I'm a creature cosplayer. So they've been everything from fantasy to sci-fi to... I don't even know. I, I, I don't think I can be pinned down on one thing. I just like creating... I think my genre would be non-human, I guess it would be. Um, I mean, I, I've done some human characters, but even the, the characters that are humanoid or human, they're very fantasyful, like Immortan Joe is very, like very wasteland in this era that's not happening right now, and his costume is, is very flamboyant, to where all of my other ones, whether they be puppets on a Jim Henson movie or created in the mind of Tim Burton, like my Nine or my Mars Attacks, or just any type of character that is just beyond bigger-than-life imagination and so on and so forth. Uh, right now, actually, today I just started uh, making a new costume because it was a funny idea that I joked around with a friend about. And then I said, you know what, it's, it's crazy enough that I think I might do it. This uh, stuffed toy from my childhood, My Pet Monster, is just this crazy blue creature with orange handcuffs and stuff like that. And I'm just like, 
Uh, I don't have enough small costumes that I can actually get around in. Um, most of my costumes need at least a team of one person above myself to help me get in and out and to get me through conventions. And i got to put myself in weird positions to walk in it or to pose in it. And getting through conventions isn't fun, so I'm trying to a lot more, now that I've been guesting conventions, get in costumes that I can get around in. So this one will be a little warm, but very easy to maneuver in and get in and out of. But like I said, it's a, it's a childhood memory, and a lot of people can relate to it. So when I'm on the floor in this costume and somebody sees it, and they're like, oh, my God, I used to have that as a child, and that just totally brought me back to that memory or whatever. And those are the kind of costumes I like to create. As far as genres, I think the genre is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought of doing, like, Ludo or something? I did Hoggle. Um, Ludo, Ludo's been done more than eight times. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, Ludo would have been a fun one. I, I mean, I love the character, and not to say that I couldn't do it, but I have done one from that movie, and I've seen too many people do it and do it well to where I, I didn't feel it was necessary to bring another one into the world. Dark Crystal starting to become an, more Skeksis out there, and so I'm actually going to be revisiting that one uh, next after this cosplay I'm working on now and bring back uh, one of the Gothrams, one of the big crab things, because uh, I think I've only found two people that have done that before. Prior to that, I did a uh, Starship Troopers. I did one of the Arachnid Warriors, and that kind of prepared me for the big bug creatures, and I think I found one person doing that before. So I, I, finding those hidden gems where everyone recognizes it and everybody knows that character, but nobody's dressed like that before, those are the hard ones to find, and when I do find them, people are really excited, and, and on top of me being excited too, so they're fun to find. Let's talk about your process. Kind of run through from beginning to end. Maybe it'll also help anyone out there who's interested in doing costuming yeah. or cosplay. You know, give them an idea beginning to end what they're going to be looking at and how you would take a costume from an idea all the way through the finished product. Sure. Uh, first of all, I recommend, I mean, everyone's different, but uh, I re recommend wanting to do it. Saying that you're going to do a costume because all your friends are doing the group of something. I've passed up so many opportunities for group cosplays because I'm not into the fandom or I've never seen the movie or the TV show or I just don't have my heart in it. Um, if you're going to spend the time and the money on something, you're going to want to make sure that it's something that you love. That will help with motivation for the build process too, the spending the money on it. Art is only worth what somebody will pay for it. Some people will say $20 is too much for a costume or 200 or 2000 whatever it might be. Um, when you're doing something that you're very passionate about, it kind of helps to basically waste money on it because of the fact that you love it so much. Um, so that's first thing is, is finding something that you want to do. As far as, and I get this question a lot, is what should I make such and such out of? The answer is there's a hundred answers, and they're all right. You can make something out of foam, whether it be uh, EVA foam, upholstery foam. It could be latex. It could be sculpted and casted in resin. It can be a thousand different things, and they're all going to turn out right because it's the way you did it. I might do something different than what it was done in the movies, but it might have the same appearance. Um, I know my Skixis costume took six puppeteers to work, and I had to figure out how to make one guy walk in it. But I can kind of get it to look the same in a picture. Uh, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart is my goal. So as far as materials, it would be stuff that you're familiar with, whether you're learning it 
budget is a big issue too. Um, if you have a smaller budget, you want to stay away from obviously the larger ticket items as far as materials. The next thing I do is research. I will have ideas. I did a transformer on a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I posted that idea in December last year, and I didn't get around to it until now because it's a thought process. I mean, you see something on the screen, and, and like I said, I just do movies, so that's all I can relate to. If it doesn't have behind the scenes on step-by-step -step build process or instructions online on how to make specifically this thing, you have to figure that out on your own, and that's Part of the fun of building these costumes is pulling the mechanics apart and then figuring out how how I would get this piece to hold onto my body and how I would walk around with this or whatever. It's a lot of time spent on researching it and racking your brain and finding ideas, going online and researching it. I did a uh, Baymax costume and the artist who drew him, this is before the movie was released, was talking to me about this and I got pictures of him up close and he's actually got carbon fiber, is that the word? Is what his suit's made out of. So I had to get that carbon fiber look to my suit instead of just painting him red, which most toys obviously would be but when you see it detail you can see that there's a checkered pattern to it i found a way to fake carbon fiber from people who are customizing their motorcycles and their cars uh, again totally separate from what i was doing but because i was able to separate them and, and pick them out and think outside the box i'm able to find okay i need this way to do the paint process and i need to find out how to do the armor so I look up through different people that, on how they've done their armor and talk to people about that and how do you attach this armor to this piece of armor? How do you wear this? How do you get in and out of it? How does it walk with you? All these things are things that you have to think about. So that's as far as the process is just doing so much of your homework and then collecting the materials. Um, you don't want to make thousands of trips to Home Depot and Fabric Depot and all these other places and Joann's and Michael's or whatever. I want to make sure that when I'm ready to start a project that I have everything in front of me or tucked under the table or something like that. I might even buy pieces where I'm inspired. I have an idea to do Conky from Pee Wee's Playhouse and I've had parts for him in my possession for a good six months now and I'm nowhere near even ready to try to start building him but I know that I found this particular button or this key or whatever these LEDs just because I knew I was eventually going to get to it so I do a lot of pack rat and hoarding and that helps with budget too when you find stuff that are on sale uh, pick them up and hang on to them um, but yeah preparation and that's also as far as work wise um, I keep things very organized and I'm prepared for it and, and I'm able to work quickly and clean by making sure that I'm constantly organized uh, and, and clean I don't mean just my space but I mean the work itself the final product comes a lot cleaner when I'm not so chaos and tripping over things and spilling things and stuff like that but yeah I think those are the three big things that I have as far as the process is finding something that you want and love to do doing your homework to make sure that you have everything ready and then just keeping organized helps you through the process but as far as past that everything's particular to each costume i mean some of them i do this way and some of them i do that way and i've actually had an answer once and i was just like well i know i could do it this way but let's see if i can try something new and discover a new process and so i'll do that too I know you like think of ideas all the time, and I've, I already said something, but I hope 
I'm just thinking, oh, it would be cool. Have you seen, like, Return to Oz? Yeah. I want TikTok. Is, is my dream cosplay is TikTok. Um, never going to happen, though. Yeah. Um, the actor that was inside of him was a professional acrobat and could only be in that thing for 15 minutes. Uh, he was basically folded in half and walking backwards. The only way that I could do him would be to enlarge him by five and be able to stand up and then I still wouldn't have access to my hands and if I fell over I'd be rolling around like a blueberry and there's just so many things that I would ruin by trying to turn it turn into a costume but yeah everyone I get that question is what is your dream cosplay and it's definitely TikTok would be my dream costume I've even considered laying down on a skateboard and doing the gump uh, just because I wanted to do a character from that and uh, there's no way I'd get myself on wheel on four wheels or whatever other characters there were and I'm not thin enough to be Jack so I think that movie will just remain in my dreams as far as dream cosplays but yeah TikTok would definitely be something that I would do not because I can't design him but just because I can't wear him <laughs> man I was reading your mind because I was like hmm TikTok I was thinking about yeah. that the whole time and I got that a lot with my Chitty. When I did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, a lot of people in the face were saying uh, that reminds them of TikTok. And I'm just like, yeah, I guess this is as close as I'm going to get to making that one. So I'm curious about how it is that you're able to do all the cosplay stuff and budget-wise. Can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, I had built a DeLorean time machine for the past year and a half before I started doing this. Um, and I was lucky enough to make a new friend who wanted to buy it off of me and recently we've become back to being partners again but for the first year I basically made all my cosplays purely off the sale of that DeLorean. I was working full-time so obviously I had that income but it was all based on the sale of that car and the props and stuff. After that ran out it was using my throwaway income I guess from work Every time I would pay all my bills, whatever extra I would put towards cosplay. And recently, in February, I decided to just get this out of my system and clear off my bucket list. And I said, okay, I'm gonna, I want to do this con, this con, this con, con. And you had mentioned San Diego was one of them. Dragon Con is another huge one out in Atlanta. And there's a couple other ones that I wanted to just say, I want to go to every single con and then just get this out of my system. And so in February, I left my job, how I support my cosplay, there's a combination of appearance fees that I'm getting from these conventions by going to them. When I go to conventions, because of the work that I do as a cosplay guest or as a panelist, they pay for my badges, they pay for my hotel, they pay for my travel. So I'm lucky enough to not have those expenses. But uh, And some of them will even pay for food or have a green room of some sort. So I have that taken care of for, for me, but I still have the, the hundreds of dollar costumes and... That goes back to my savings and, again, selling my costumes so I can make other ones. Part of it's space, but part of it is I have this great idea, and I figured that this is going to cost me $1,500. How do I get that? And so I'll sell uh, a costume or two uh, to get the next one or whatever. I know you talked about like Tim Burton, Jim Henson movies, uh, Back to the Future. Uh, yeah. What were some of your other favorite movies? Uh, Del Toro is another one of my favorites. I really love the way his mind works. I don't think I'm advanced enough to be able to uh, do foam rubber. I don't have this this space for it, but foam rubber and foam latex and the bigger makeups um, uh, on top of the costumes. I, I don't think I'm there yet. 
uh, whether it be experience or space to be able to perform those kind of things. But they're definitely things I've thought of. I know another one that I want to do really bad once I get uh, some shop space to work with uh, foam latex and, and be able to start sculpting and stuff like that is the movie Explorers. They had the two alien kids I, I want to do. I think Zeke is his name. But yeah, he's been on my list for a while. I, I keep a list of all these ones uh, of cosplays to come, quote unquote. He's on there. I know the uh, the gargoyles from Ghostbusters is on there. These are all things that will, nice. will be <laughs> beyond the Terraflex or the Warbla or the, the Latex. These are going to be full-on sculpts that I don't currently have space for, but if I do have a garage or a shop space that I can start doing these kind of messy molds and stuff like that, um, I, I have a whole new list of things that I want to achieve. In general, what are your favorite movies? <laughs> I like a lot of different movies. Uh, as far as creativity, I, I don't know. I'm trying to hit them all but i'm very big on nostalgic kind of movies that i grew up with like the obviously the henson tim burton space balls i did a costume from i like sci-fi uh i'm not huge on fantasy i've sat through the hobbit a couple times as well as harry potter and i kind of get it uh, but i know i'm missing some information that keeps me puzzled not because I'm dumb, but just lack of interest for following around. And uh, my mind will go somewhere else for a while. And then I'm just like, all right, what did I miss? Why are they doing this right now? And why does this make sense? But I love the creativity behind it. And so that's why I sit through them as like I can see these monsters that are being made or the sets. And that's inspiring. It's But the genre of the fantasy isn't one of my big favorites. But sci-fi is a really big one for me. There's not a lot of costumes that I do from sci-fi. I'd like to do more. But like I said, the, the costumes that you see of these aliens, they're more makeups than they are fabricated costumes. And, and most of them are a mixture of both. But because of the fact that I don't have the makeup background or the space for that yet, um, I, I'm held back. But yeah, I mean, I comedies I, I like. I, convention we just had for Rose City in Portland, uh, I threw a movie party where we, uh, we took out theater space here in town and... We all watch Mystery Men because it's mm. just a dumb, funny superhero reject movie. And there would be costumes from there that I'm just like, oh, if I was this thin, I would totally do that and whatever. You can get inspiration from anywhere, really. Yeah. I'm guessing you're probably like me where you could write a whole essay of just a whole list of all your favorite movies, oh, yeah, I, probably. <laughs> I used to have thousands of DVDs and I recently just got rid of them and I do everything from online and just do it that way. Is there any website or information that you want to pass along to the listeners? Yeah, as far as following up with my work uh, past and future to get some visuals to go with this, um, I have a page on Facebook at Cosplay of Ryan Wells. The website CosplayCruises.com is the company that I'll be with for the next two years. Cross your fingers for more. Um, but there'll be cruises leaving from L.A. to go to Encinitas, Mexico, and one goes from New York to uh, the Bahamas, and they're working on adding some more. So that's one another one to follow. And thirdly, I will be – this is actually a secret, but I'm going to let you in on it. There's a uh, Hulu cartoon called Forget About It. It's about an Italian family that's relocated under the Witness Protection Program to Canada. I will be showing up on that show. And finally, the work that I do through magicwheelchair.org is a great charity to follow if you're looking for a charity to contribute, whether it be 
uh, monetarily or volunteering-wise. What is it that they do? We make Halloween costumes for disabled children. Right now, I'm currently working uh, with a little girl. She's 12. She's nonverbal. But every time SpongeBob is on, she lights up. Her make-a-wish was to take her on a cruise with SpongeBob that she got to do. So right now, we're turning her chair into one of SpongeBob's boats, boat cars. They're actually going to be with me uh, this coming weekend at Eugene uh, Convention, Emerald Valley Comic Con. At the convention, they're going to be building live one of the chairs for one of the little mining cars from Guardian of the Galaxy. Hmm. BuzzFeed is really big on sharing this information right now. We've got over 11 million views right now in the first week. You'll see it. first one that he ever did was for his own son, um, being uh, the uh, toothless little dragon from How to Train Your Dragon wheelchair. It was so popular that he decided to do a Kickstarter to make more chairs for more kids and passed his goal. I was lucky enough to team up with them to be one of the builders. I think right now we have seven builders um, that are all working on individual chairs for all these kids for this Halloween coming up in four weeks. So that's another fun one to watch and follow would be magicwheelchair.org. Very nice. We'll definitely have to make sure to put links to that on the uh show notes so that you guys can go take a look at all of that information and go support the charity. Okay, well, I think that about wraps it up for our interview with Ryan Wells. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with us and sharing your experience. Thank you, guys. Oh, man, let's talk about films. We're going to be talking about Halloween in detail If you guys haven't seen this movie, shut the podcast off and go watch it. It's Halloween for crying out loud. Watch the movie. It's Halloween day. It's the perfect time to watch it if you haven't seen it yet. At this point, I'm going to make sure that everyone knows this so that we don't get any nasty uh, feedback on it. But, spoiler alert, we're going to spoil a uh, 30-year-old movie. So... (laughs) Uh, you know, enjoy, have fun, and let's get into it. This week we watched the movie Halloween from 1978. It's a John Carpenter film. I think pretty much everyone at some point or another in their life has seen this movie. But it's a fun one to sit down and watch, especially this time of year. So in case you haven't had the pleasure of sitting down to... Watch this movie. The movie takes place in Haddonfield. It's a small town. And it starts out on October 30th. As you come into the movie, you see kind of an overview of the town. And then, you know, you've got the nice creepy music going. And you see a point of view shot of the front of the Myers house. And you get one long tracking shot that goes around the house. You see the sister and her boyfriend inside. They go upstairs. Comes in. And you get this one solid tracking shot all the way through. And you get to see Michael Myers' first kill. He was six years old at the time. And of course this gets him put away for the next... Gets him put away for the next 15 years. In a mental asylum. And then the movie. 
picks up in more modern times. And then Michael Myers is on the loose. He escapes. And of course, what he wants to do is get back to his hometown, get back to his house. When he gets back into town, it is, of course, Halloween. And so, the rest of the movie takes place on Halloween during the day and then into the night. Most of the movie is Michael Myers following around Laurie, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. She's such a cookie-cutter Girl Scout. Yeah. Yeah, everyone else is a little bit naughty, smoking or having sex, drinking, this kind of thing. But she's pretty straight-laced. She's referred to as a Girl Scout several times. The movie uh, picks up with her going to school. She keeps looking over her shoulder and seeing... Hey, pretty lady. Seeing Michael Myers following her around. She's not really clicking that she's in danger, but she notices that she's being followed. And of course, it's a little bit of a different time, so... I guess at this point, they weren't quite as worried about, hey, there's a strange guy in a mask who I've seen like 12 times now. Plus, her friends are thinking she's crazy and seeing things, and they're like, whatever, you should be focusing on guys and going and having sex and stuff and breaking the rules, yeah. So we have Jamie Lee Curtis as the main character, Lori, and then there's Donald Pleasance as Dr... Sam Loomis. Then we have Nancy Loomis as Annie Brackett, Lori's friend. And uh, Lori's other friend is played by PJ Souls, playing Linda. And then we got the kids. There's Kylie Richards as Lindsay. And then Brian Andrews playing little Tommy Doyle. And then we got Charles Cyphers as Sheriff Brackett who is uh, Annie's father. Let's talk about Dr. Loomis for a minute. He's, of course, the um, only one who understands just how evil Michael is, and he's following Michael, trying to find out where he's at. And the one thing I liked about his character a little bit more in the remake is they went into a little bit more detail with uh, Dr. Loomis and they followed him around a little bit showing him actually trying to communicate with Michael Myers. I felt like in this one that character was kind of flat because he's just the one saying, oh my god, oh my god, the world's gonna end, Michael Myers is on the loose. And so you kind of wonder at a point if he's actually the insane one, although we know, okay, it's a slasher film, but there's that question, okay, is he the one who's just blowing things out of proportion, or uh, what's going on, and everyone kind of thinks he is, and so in a way, I thought his character was uh, a little bit flat, because he knows too much, and doesn't really, uh, give a lot of detail on the specifics of why he knows that Michael Myers has absolutely no compassion left. And I thought in the remake they did a pretty good job addressing that. Well, I thought, like, it was just kind of like he was there just to show how much danger everyone was in, that 
he was in a panic. He was like, holy moly, this super psycho dude is on the loose and you all better watch out because he's going to kill some people. He's going to do some things. It's going to be horrific. And sure, you know, the local authorities were just in disbelief and thought he was crazy, but he, you know, he was in a panic. He knew what they were going to be dealing with. Yeah, I agree with that. He he knew the um, he knew that part of it. I just thought they could have done a little bit more showing between the last time you see him standing on the front lawn holding a knife in his hand until that point. They don't show any of the interim, and so Doctor Loomis is the only one who's actually been with him, and so. I thought maybe they could have added a little bit more on the original, but, you know, it worked out the way it is because you have that question, okay, wait, how bad can this guy really be? He's, you know, he's been in uh, um, institution his whole life. There's probably a reason why. Yeah. I'd say my favorite character was Linda, just because she said totally all the time, and it was just fun to say it along with her and just like repeat totally and she was just like totally (laughs) ditzy totally and uh the typical teenager that you're looking for in these kind of films that's like totally doing drugs and having sex and going against the rules and then it's like hello that means you're gonna die lady because your wild one. Well, and they did a really good job of setting up a very engaging slasher film that's surprisingly not that gory. This first one really wasn't that gory. You see a few scenes where there's a little bit of blood here and there. You see people being strangled more than anything. And the rest of it is a lot of off-screen stuff. So I thought they did a pretty good job with that building everything up and you walk away feeling like you saw some horrible stuff when really most of it took place off camera or just outside of where you can see so that was quite interesting for that aspect of it what were some some of your favorite moments in the film well this of course is probably my favorite horror movie uh, out there so i like pretty much the movie from beginning to end but overall I really liked the the setup process how they really got you entrenched into okay this is the lives of these random uh, teenagers who are off doing bad things that they shouldn't be doing and sneaking around and doing that kind of thing and so they did a good job of setting that up and especially for the time they took they took this and built up a absolutely classic horror movie where you're taking this nice little quiet neighborhood and turning it into something very, very creepy. Uh, probably my favorite scenes. You know, I really like the end of it where you've got Michael Myers. Um, no matter what happens to him, he just keeps coming up. And... One of those very classic moments is when uh, Lori 
is down. She had just stabbed Michael Myers. Is that the one where... Yeah, she stabbed him with the knife. Um, when she's down on the uh, frame of the door, and you see Michael Myers laying in the background, she had stabbed him. And she uh, is sitting there, and you see Michael Myers sit up in the background. Some of the moments like that are just so classic. They're incredibly well done. And they're very creepy and tense. You know, you look at them and you're going, oh, wow, you know, you're in trouble now. That thing ain't going to die. And here's my question for everyone here. If you're in a situation where someone is trying to kill you, and you kill them first, and they're on the ground, you know all they want to do is kill you, you go about whatever it is you're doing immediately afterwards, and look back, and the body's gone, and the person's up again, and they attack you again, and then you kill them again, why would you not finish the job off and make sure that the job is done and that they're not going to be getting back up. For some reason, in horror movies, and I realize if they killed them and took their head off in the first scene, you know, it'd make for a short horror movie, but, you know, if I've killed someone more than once and they get back up, I'm going to make sure that the next time when they're laying there, that I finish the job off, you know? Maybe that's just me, but I want to make sure that I don't have to fight Insane Monster again, and again, and again. Take the head, take the heart, burn it, bury the ashes in separate areas, maybe in some running water. Come on, people, it's not that difficult. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, so there's so many great moments in this movie, so many cinematic moments that I could name off, but I could just, one part that sticks out to me is when Lori has the two kids with her, she's watching them now, watching Lindsay and Tommy, and, you know, Michael just killed Annie, basically, and taking her back in the house to do whatever, because she's dead and stuff and uh tommy's like trying to hide behind some curtain to scare Lindsay, and he turns around a little bit peers out the window and sees this is the cool part uh so he sees michael and it's like a wide shot so it's like it's almost it's so realistic because you're seeing from tommy's point of view out the window basically so it's you know the the, the house across the street so yeah You see Michael carrying Annie's body and it just looks like she's limp and everything and he's just walking around the house and goes into the front door basically kind of. And it's just like, whoa, that's freaking eerie. And like a little kid seeing this. What? And then he's like, oh my God, dude, it's the boogeyman. It's the boogeyman, the boogeyman. And they're all freaking out and... Of course, you know, Michael's already in the house, and Tommy's like, Oh no, Lori, it's a boogeyman out there. And Lori's like, There's nobody out there. Oh, it's like, Well, duh, he's not out there anymore. He went in the house. But yeah, it was really cool. Just the part of him, 
the Michael with the body all limp and like carrying it, and it's like, oh my god, this is creepy. There's so many awesome parts. I mean, there's uh, one because I watched uh, I watched the movie on AMC one time, and there was like a little bit of commentary where they're like just taking this one scene like during a commercial break, like when they're going to commercial break, they're focusing on when Michael stabbed uh, Bob. Uh, Linda's boyfriend when they he's like stuck him into the wall like and then you know he, he goes limp <laughs> I like that that's creative of course it's like toes are limp he's dead anyways Michael's like peering at him tilting his head side to side like hmm and like in that commentary thing they were adding in that like ooh you know it's almost like he's looking at a butterfly collection or something it's like Hmm, you know, looking at his work, looking at his little piece of work there, you know. But that's also a very animalistic thing to do when it, he turns his head a little bit, which I think they did a little bit more dramatic in the remake, but they do it in uh, the original too. When he turns his head in the remake, it really looks like something that a dog or a wild animal would do when it hears a noise that it doesn't understand, you know, and it's, you, it's a head turning thing, which now I've done like five times. This is an audio podcast. Hello, people can't see what I'm doing. (laughs) But a little bit of a turn of the head to give it an animalistic, uh, not quite intelligent pondering of the scene before you, you know, so I thought that was kind of a cool thing. So Lindsay, she was kind of, I kind of saw her like almost like a random version of me maybe because when I was a kid, I mean, because she was just stuck on watching TV no matter what, someone yelling at her, aka Annie, get this dog out of here, I hate this dog. And she's just, it just keeps, I just, I thought it was really cool. They just, you know, the camera just goes back to Lindsay, just zombied out looking at watching the TV and she's like. Oh, it's awesome. I just love that part. And then I could go on and on. I don't know. I I really could go on and on about this movie. Like, Annie, I hate her, but I love her because she's so annoying. But you can make fun of her with her Oh, Paul song. Like, when I watched this the first time with my friends, like, in high school, (laughs) we just kept singing Oh, Paul all the time and just, like, making up lyrics. Little thing. It was fun. Yeah, if you watch this movie, there's just so much that's absolutely classic for a horror movie. And this is back before all these things became tropes and really overused. They kind of set up a uh, play-by-play book on how to create suspense and how to get you um, entranced into this movie and then oh, look, there's someone who's going to kill everyone you know. You know, they're they're good with that. So it just did a great job overall of setting up a classic play-by-play on how to do a horror movie, a slasher movie, that kind of thing. And without going to the overly gory, you know, there was almost no blood in it. There was a little bit, but not really as much as there probably should be considering how many people got stabbed, you know. One interesting thing I wanted to mention before we before we end this uh, movie review, 
and this is something that I found out by watching the by watching the uh, commentary by listening to the commentary all of the leaves that were on the ground in the beginning scenes those were all hand painted because the film was actually done in the middle of summer so there were no leaves on the ground and at that point you just couldn't go to Michael's and get a bunch of fake leaves that looked realistic so they went and got a couple of bags of leaves and hand painted every single one then they would set them up for each shot as they were walking along you see leaves on the ground well as soon as those were out of scene there were people picking up all those leaves and moving them to the next shot get them reset for the next one all the scenes with leaves in that movie it's the same leaves scene after scene so I thought that was kind of cool just one of those little things that you don't think about until you uh, actually know it but you know you're talking a very low budget horror film for the time so they had to do what they had to do to uh, make it work and make it look like fall so I mean of course you know Tommy oh Tommy he looks like a kid that would be like in other you know films I think he was I feel like I'm blinking on this uh well he just felt like an over actor I mean sure he was a kid but he <laughs> oh Tommy he just uh you know <laughs> His facial expressions, those definitely stood out. I think in a lot of it, there was uh, overacting from a few different people in this movie. (laughs) But it's overacting in a kind of fun way, and it ended up working. Just Tommy, um, the little astronaut NASA guy. That was his costume, I guess. And I don't know, Lindsay wasn't wearing a costume. She was just a zombie, but without makeup. (laughs) TV zombie. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that those two, you never see him go out and go trick-or-treating. He's wearing a costume, but you never actually see him go out of the house. I think they probably did beforehand. And then, because it shows, you know, them leaving the house, her and Annie, it's daylight. And with Michael fallen, following behind. And then it's like, it never shows it getting, you know, the sun setting or anything. It just shows, boom, it's dark. And they're at the house. So I'm thinking, like, they probably just went out trick-or-treating. And then, like, goodbye, kids, their parents say. And then, yeah. Well, I thought it was also interesting. There were a couple of scenes like that where the night and day aspect kind of was uh, interchangeable, you know. It seemed like it got dark really quick whenever they needed it to. So that was interesting. One other thing I wanted to talk about real quick was... Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie was right around 18, give or take. But it always takes me out of the movie whenever I watch it because she looks like she's an adult. She looks like she's probably in her mid-20s or late 20s. And so she looks a lot older than a teenager, even though she actually was a teenager. I've looked this up at one point or another. A lot of the kids to me look like they were way too old to actually be in high school, but they were um, younger than what they look like, so that was a weird kind of thing about the movie. 
But yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis's character looked like she was should have been one of the teachers, not one of the uh, students. Okay, so one to five stars. What would you give this one? Five or more. I would have to agree with that. Uh, I think, you know, you've got a absolutely classic horror film. They made so many additional films and remakes. There's a reason for it because it is that creepy. There's someone outside and they're going to break into your house. More than with like a monster movie, this is a little more realistic because it's a person. Even though this person doesn't seem to be able to die, but there's a person there who is going to be doing this, not just your werewolf or vampire or whatever. Yeah, it definitely set the foundation for those slasher films and horror. So the next film we're going to review is called in a world and it's basically about different voice actors that are trying to make it and this one female voice actor in particular just trying to figure out her life in general with her father and her love life and her friends and yeah it's it's a well done movie and it's gonna be exciting hey listeners be sure to follow us on twitter at Film Underdogs, or go on to our Facebook page, Film Underdogs. Be sure to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher, Beyond Pod, whatever podcast player you use, we'll be there. So, everyone go out, have a safe and fun Halloween. You've got all weekend to enjoy the uh, Halloween theme. But be safe. Watch out for the kids. We don't want anyone not making it home at the end of the day. And while we're on that note, please take a cab, take a bus, have a designated driver, but don't drink and drive. Buckle up. It's the law. Happy Happy Halloween. Halloween! Always remember to follow your dreams. And stay inspired. Take the head, take the heart, burn it, bury the ashes in separate areas, maybe in some running water. Come on, people, it's not that difficult. (laughs) Oh my god.
watch it. Uh, I'm not a vocal coach anymore, but I would make an exception for you because you sound like a squeaky toy.